Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. We talk a lot about community issues on this show and the solutions that are there. And there really is very few things more pressing than the drought that has been ongoing for years in the state of Utah. And as we talked about different ways to conserve water, there's a lot of feedback on what's what can we do on public lands? What can we do in schools? What can we do in businesses in addition to our residences. So I thought I would bring to you two individuals working to help conserve water. Robert Densley is the VP of Sales with Smart Rain. We'll be talking about that. And Julie Larson, she is the uh, director of the Smart Rain Foundation. So first, let me just start with this. Robert and Julie, both of you, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So I throw out the word smart rain. And as, as I do that, Rob, can you give us a definition of what your company does? Absolutely. So our focus is on the irrigation side of, of water conservation. So what our controller does is it decides how much water actually needs to go on the ground outside and when that needs to happen. So our focus is making conservation an effort by only putting down the amount of water that's needed for the property rather than guessing how much or when or or who uh, the system actually takes over all those things. So we're able to save quite a bit of water because we only put down the water that's needed when it's needed. Well, and even as you express that, it's um, we've begin to or have begun to embrace smart technology over the last 10 years, where rather than relying on a human to flip the switch or make that decision, um, suddenly you have much more data to pull from and something automatically occurs. And when it comes to water conservation, it's, it's quite phenomenal. So when you say irrigation, this is uh, particularly for commercial properties. Is that right? Yeah. So we don't work with residents because usually there's, their properties are too small. Uh, and our system's quite robust, so it's built for bigger and more complex properties. And, and even as we do that, I, where I live in uh, Spanish Fork, uh, our city rolled out a smart app where um, and uh, 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 irrigation controllers or sprinkler controllers, and it senses whether it's been dry for many days and needs to water or whether we've had rain and turns itself automatically off. And I think we rolled that out 
maybe five years ago. And it's something extraordinary to be able to remotely take a look if you're traveling to make sure that the sprinklers are going on and off and to be able even to do a manual hit. That has changed a lot. So can, can you give us the big picture, Robert, in terms of what smart talk technology can do in, in saving water? For example, if we looked at a big plot of land, how much of a difference could having smart control over the irrigation uh, water mean in the big picture? Oh, for sure. So we'll start off by saying that really any smart controller is better than your standard clock, which will just run on a certain day and time, no matter what. Uh, studies at like Utah State University have shown you will see that 30 to 50% by switching to a smart controller. Uh, the better the smart controller, the more you'll be able to save, and more importantly, the more uh, help you'll get for your property. So with our with ours in particular, big picture, what you're really going to start seeing is the ability to know before it rains that the system doesn't need to run. So we'll be able to go in and we'll be able to check the weather an hour before the system comes on, for example. And then if there's a high enough percent chance of rain, we just won't run the system at that time. And then what we'll do is we'll calculate how much rainfall actually happened, and then we'll know how much we need to water going forward. So by taking in with our system, or really any system, by taking into consideration how much it rained or how much it's going to rain, in the case of our system, we're able to limit a lot of water that doesn't need to go down. But that's only part of it, because the other side of this is the system also needs to know what type of ground we're watering, what type of plant we're watering, because all those things have different amounts of water that they can hold. So you can only water so much. It's, uh, if you think about your ground like a cup, you can only put so much water in a cup before it starts overflowing, and you're not actually gaining anything from it. So our system and uh, some of the other uh, water technologies out there can do it, can actually decide how much water needs to go down so that we're not overwatering either. Even though we're watering when it's dry, for example, when we have uh, restrictions that we only have one or two days a week that we're able to water, people are still overwatering because they're putting so much water onto their ground that it's oversaturated and it's not actually able to hold it anyway. So our system, uh, and really any system for that matter, that's do used correctly can save that 30 to 50% on irrigation use just because we don't water when we're not when we're not supposed to, and we don't overwater because we're taking into consideration all the factors that we need to. Appreciate you uh, sharing that. For those who have joined us, this is Robert Densley uh, with Smart Rain and uh, describing on the irrigation side how we can save thirty to fifty percent of water if we're watering smart using technology that can sense the weather, uh, current weather, the the weather coming in in a few hours from now, and then determine whether water is needed and being adjusted, like you mentioned, depending on the type of crop or plants that are or vegetation that needs to be water. And and I wanted to bring Julie in because we're going to talk about the foundation. But before we do, Julie, have you been a part of those conversations where you hear people say, I drove by this big, you know, building, this schoolhouse, or I drove by this, you know, government building and the sprinklers were on and it was in the middle of a thunderstorm. And that, that makes me so frustrated. Have you been hearing those kind of conversations, Julie, over the last few years? Yes, Rebecca, I've I've spent 20 years as a school administrator principal and also worked in the district office. And 
I can't tell you how many times I got phone calls from our patrons saying, you know, it's the middle of the day, two o'clock, your sprinklers are on, what are you doing? Or, you know, it's raining and your sprinklers are on. And honestly, I, I really couldn't give a valid answer you know, to why we were watering when it was raining or why we were watering in the middle of the day. So it is very much an issue um, on school grounds, and, and it's something I think that our, our system can really address. Well, and let's talk about that because one of the, you know, I just happened to meet um, a a few of the reps with Smart Rain, and we started to talk about how this technology applied to, you know, commercial or big areas could make such a difference. And I shared my own story about how we have have a smart technology running our sprinklers at our house to try to save water so that our, you know, what we planted doesn't have to die uh, and, and it can still be green, but be watered correctly and not have the guilt of water waste. So it's perfect when I found out that there is a foundation that Smart Rain uh, supports, which brings this technology to schools. So Julie, talk to us about Smart Rain, Smart Kids. Absolutely. You know, not are we only an environmentally responsible company, but we're a socially responsible company as well. And we believe that we have an obligation to the education of our kids. And, you know, as much as um, water conservation is an issue as well, you know, the situations in our schools with our students is also a very critical, we have a very critical need in order to help support our schools. And so as a company, what we are doing is we are providing for schools across the nation, not only just in Utah, um, free controllers that can be installed on school property and allow schools to conserve water. And when we've done the research on that, what we have found is that Schools can save upwards of $5,000, $6,000 a year that can be reinvested into our students. And, you know, we're, we're so committed to this and so committed to helping kids that, as a company, you know, we're, we're, we're willing to, to basically give our equipment away. And, and as you say, per school, so you're a former per- school administrator, so if we are saving 5,000, uh, you know, in one school district, for example, uh, in the one you were, how many schools were there in that school district? So um, I was formerly in Davis School District. We had 120 schools. So there were about 65 elementary schools and 20 to 25 secondary schools. So we're talking 120 schools saving $5,000 every year. That's a substantial amount of money that we can give back to kids and to teachers. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the the overall challenge we have with funding um, our educational system. I know that is close to your heart. Uh, we have oh. crowded classrooms, uh, children with lots of diverse needs, and not just in Utah, but all across the nation. How, and I, uh, Julie, I don't know about you, but I've lived in states all across the country. And the status of the school building and or the resources available were always um, dependent on how strong the economy was of that local uh, community. And there was big disparities. So you've seen that, Julie. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I mean, having spent 32 years in education, there's never been a time in my career where I felt like I had enough money to meet the needs of kids and teachers. And when you look at what's happening across the nation with just the mental health of our students and of our teachers, you know, I I know that Abby Cox is is running a summit next month talking about mental health for teachers. I mean, I think that savings alone could go a long way to, to doing some things to support teachers and keep great teachers continuing to work in the field because, you know, that's another struggle we have as well. Is it's really difficult to, to keep great teachers to work with our, our kids. If you've just joined us, this is Julie Larson. She's the director of the foundation called Smart Rain, Smart Kids. And Julie uh, spoke of the goal to, okay, I, I guess I should go back, Julie. The goal is to help how many schools nationwide get your smart technology so that they can conserve thousands of dollars each year on their water bills. You know, our current goal, Rebecca, is 100,000 schools, which basically equates to $213 million that our company is willing to give to schools that can be returned then to students and teachers. I, I, I just think it's very laudable. Robert, um, or Rob, uh, who's joining us, Rob Densley is a VP of sales of Smart Rain. Can you, from the big picture as well, talk about why a company invested in irrigation and conserving water decided to broaden this out to uh, include schools as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when, we, when we first started looking at it, school grounds in general are one of those areas that have so much grass uh, that it's a necessary thing to have irrigation. Uh, and when you start to get that much turf, you realize that the cost of watering that much turf is astronomical. So we started working with a few schools. We started doing a couple of ROIs, finding out what the return on investment would be if we could save them just 30% on on that cost to irrigate their properties. And when we started to see the numbers roll in, it was extremely clear that we could make a noticeable difference in the school district, not really, not even just from the fact that they're saving water, but the amount of money that we could put back into the school districts that we started reaching out and making that a lot, a lot bigger effort. And then obviously talking to ownership and a few others, we, we want to make sure that we're giving back to the community and doing what we can there. And it really just makes sense. I mean, we've become a better partner. We're a partner to the community and to the environment by helping create this water sustainable system. And then the schools are also taking advantage of it because now all the landscapers and all the maintenance people that aren't necessarily irrigation professionals get to be irrigation professionals because our system takes over all the really hard parts and we support it and we back that up. So it's really allowing all the schools that take take on this system, not only to save money, but to become water conservation experts and to be able to manage their properties perfectly. So the partnership just made sense. Well, and, you know, there's, um, for me, very few things that are more frustrating than having a problem 
and not knowing how, knowing there's solutions out there and not being able to get them implemented. And we know that there's been water waste on, on our school lands. Um, and yet we know that they don't always have the resources to, to invest in, in, in order to maximize um, or make them as most as efficient as possible. And this solves the, that problem, getting that smart technology into the hands of the schools. And the foundation does it so beautifully. And then it also solves or works on solving the secondary problem, or maybe it's primary because, Julie, your experience in schools to get more funding uh, to to fund uh, the needs of school teachers and administrators and our students there. Now, Julie, have you ever installed a sprinkler system? No. Well, I have never installed. I, I'm bringing that up. Cool. I'm bringing that up because for many of us, we don't have that experience of knowing how a controller can control the irrigation heads or the sprinkler heads in the field. And, you know, how just a, a, how one controller can make such a big difference. And, and so, Rob, it, it's basically that it's con- using electronic signals to open and close those sprinkler valves when it's the right time. Right. So each really simplified way of saying it, each head can can put out so many gallons of water. So what we do is we put in those types of heads into our system. So we know the zone, and we know what that zone is watering, so what type of plant it's watering, and we know what kind of head is watering that plant. So we know how many gallons of water is coming out and onto what plant. So we know how long that those gallons need to go onto that plant to make sure that it fills its cup to the full line without overflowing, and to maintain it exactly where it needs to go. So the head itself could change all sorts of times, but the information that we put into our controller matches what's in the field, and then we're able to monitor everything down to, like I said, the, the last plant type. And, and, and I appreciate that uh, explanation, Rob. Julie, I pose that question to you because as a school administrator, your focus would be on creating an educational, the very best educational environment that our children could have. It isn't right on on the installation of sprinklers. And so if we can side this over and take that technology, to me, that enables you as an administrator or form administrator to focus on why you decided to become a teacher or administrator in the first place. Right. And, you know, I thinking back on my, you know, my years as a principal, you know, I wanted to be a financially, environmentally responsible member of my community. You know, a school is a central hub for most communities. And, and I, I, as a principal, was a leader of that school, and I wanted to be able to demonstrate to my patrons that I was being environmentally and fiscally responsible. And I think this just lends itself perfectly to be able to allow administrators and districts to be able to demonstrate that. Well, let's talk about how schools can participate and also how the community can support this foundation. So first, Julie, how do schools or school districts in the country, because again, the goal is, was it 100,000 schools nationwide? How did they apply to receive this smart rain uh, controller and support? You know, the the best way is to go to our our website, smartrain.net. We have a wonderful link there that allows you to get involved, to share the information as, you know, as parents. Get onto that website and send that to your superintendent, to, 
you know, your principal to, to just get the message out that this is available to schools, that we want to share this technology, and we're there, we're there to help schools. Contact SmartRain. We are, we are completely paying attention to the environment, to what's going on in our communities, and we are more than willing to meet with folks, to meet with districts, and try and get this information out. So is, our website is a great spot. Julie, and I appreciate that. Is there a certain number of schools per state that will be able to uh, receive the Smart Rain controller from the foundation? Or is it the first schools to apply until you reach 100,000? Pretty much the first schools. But let me tell you, you know, having been a member of uh, Utah in the community, been a citizen, we really want to give this opportunity to our Utah schools. All right. So look for that. And you said smartrain.net. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Is there a way for the community to be supportive of the Smart Rain Foundation, Robert? Oh, I think Julie said it very well. If we, if they can get on and they can share that website with with their leaders and with their city councils and with their school administrators and their principals, I mean, really, that's the the best thing they can do. The education side, we'll do. We've actually we take even our sales team and we put them to the side, and they will call and they'll work with the schools and they'll educate anybody that calls about the products, about how they work, about how they'll save them the money and how they'll be able to help them in the long run. So we are, we are dedicated to educating everybody that, that comes to us. But the biggest, the biggest thing for us is education. How do we make sure that people know about it? How do we know that people are taking advantage of water conservation and learning about it? And that's what we want to do. And Julie, thank you, Rob. And Julie, does the website, um, uh, list some of those benefits because I can see myself as a parent uh, wanting to approach my school district and wanting to have that information and saying this saves thirty this could save thirty to fifty percent of our water waste right usage and and this could save us you know five to seven thousand dollars a year is is that type of information also on smartrain.net yes all the information is there um there's some great messaging. There's a message from me as well, kind of talking about the importance of incorporating this into our schools and the benefits that that can give to our kids. So, yeah, the website is amazing. And I wanted to also address something, Julie, since I have you here with us as well, and you're a um, an expert in education. Um, you know, sometimes we were hearing in residences that we, you know, we could begin to zero scape and reduce the amount of of Kentucky blue that is in our lawns and and plant uh, different types of of natural species, which is always a, a wonderful idea. But for most schools, the lawn is actually a classroom. And so there's real purpose to having turf around schools for the educational experience of children. Can you speak to that, Julie? Yes, absolutely. And especially in elementary schools. I mean, when you think about part of the social development of children is being able to engage with other people and learn those social skills. We don't want recess and, and, and lawn and landscaping to go away because that's a critical piece of a child's development during that stage. 
Now, high schools, I think there could be some areas there where maybe we could move to artificial turf um, in some of those areas because I don't think that's quite as critical. But in elementary school, it is critical to the, to the social development of kids that we give them that opportunity to engage with one another and play with one another. I appreciate you sharing that too, uh, Julie. And I think also about our children, the need for them to play to be outdoors, to be running, and to get that physical fitness engaged as well. (laughs) And I'm sure they're easier to teach in the classroom when when they've had that run outside of recess, huh? (laughs) Yes, Yes, absolutely. Teachers could not go without recess. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love part Well, I love day. I love to have children when they say what's your favorite part of school or favorite class and they'll say recess, you know. Uh, and, and who can Absolutely. who can blame them as well. Julie Larson, the director of the Smart Rain Smart Kids Foundation with a goal to get smart rain technology in the schools, as many as possible, up to 100,000 in the nation. Rob Densley, the VP of Sales with Smart Rain. I want to thank you for taking uh, this time to explain a little bit more about the impact that smart technology. I'm hoping that people who have, you know, their own residences are thinking, you know what, maybe I need to look at smart technology to control my uh, residential um, irrigation. Rob, are you seeing kind of a movement that way as well? Oh, without a doubt. There's definitely a lot of people that are looking at it. We all, we often get asked, hey, can I use this on my home? So people are definitely starting to consider it and look into it a lot more, which is exactly what we want people to be doing. Right. Start thinking more about how we use that new technology to help conserve water in every area of our life. Rob Densley, Julie Larson, thank you for being our guests on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.